Lent is upon us. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Can you believe that? Lent, as we know, is a time for change. A special season that God provides for turning our lives around, turning back to what is most important. It is and can be for us, if we choose, a time of grace. To let go of what is not working in our lives, in our relationships with God and others, and embracing all that God has promised and wants to offer us. If we truly embrace it, the Lenten journey helps us to be honest again with ourselves. Our situation in life, how far we have strayed from God's original design for us, and how to get back in touch with what our hearts truly desire. We can make a course correction to literally make straight a path that leads back to the Lord. As with in previous Lents, we're going to do a Lenten homily series. The theme for this Lent will be discipleship. Exploring discipleship will be important for us for at least two reasons which I want to mention today. First, Bishop Brennan and teams of hundreds of people are working on a long-range strategic plan for our diocese. I'm a part of those teams. At the center of the plan will be help will be to help us in our diocese and in our parishes and schools, apostolates, outreaches, and the many and varied institutes of the Catholic Church within the 23 counties of the diocese to focus. Focus on encountering Christ. To grow in faith, to become disciples and become disciple makers. In a phrase, the main goal of this very comprehensive strategic plan, which will be a generational plan, to undo what has happened over four generations in the course of one generation, and that will impact all of us, will be to make us missionary disciples. Christians who become disciples and then see it as their life's mission to be sent by God as missionaries out into the world and into the lives of those around them, to bring people to transformation in Jesus Christ. Thus, each week of Lent, we will explore the nature and purpose of discipleship, and then what that means for us here at St. Francis de Sales. I said two reasons. The second is this. As you are well aware, we are already on this journey to make missionary disciples in our own parish and school and across every aspect of our lives here as Christians in the Newark area. In fact, what Bishop Brennan hopes to accomplish at over 100 parishes and over 50 schools and the many, many other ministries across our diocese, we have already begun to implement and establish in our hearts, minds, lives, and relationships of our parishioners here at St. Francis de Sales. Several hundred of our parishioners have responded to the call to become missionary disciples, and it is indeed transforming their lives and transforming the very landscape of our parish. But this is just the beginning. There are several hundred more parishioners who have not yet responded for any number of reasons. In addition, there are many more others who are members of our families and among our friend groups who have been fading away from the faith and are living under the lie 
that if they are simply good people, they will make it into heaven. Nowhere is that in the scriptures. God is calling us to give up, not to give up on them, and then bring them back to him. The need for change, then, might be a good title for this first homily in the Lenten homily series on discipleship. Let's look at today's gospel for a roadmap for the next several weeks for Lent, for the rest of our lives. In Mark's gospel, chapter 1, a man with leprosy comes to Jesus, kneels down before him, and begs Jesus, if you wish, you can heal me. You can make me clean. Moved with love, Jesus stretches out his hand, and he says to him, I do will it. Be made clean. The leprosy immediately left him. Then Jesus sends the man to the priest so that the man can be, be welcomed back and reintegrated into the community. The man did so, but also went out and told everyone about Jesus. Four things. First, the man recognized his own need, his leprosy, and his need for a Savior, and he asked for help. Number two, Jesus heals him. Three, the man reintegrates into the community of believers for ongoing growth in the spiritual life. Not a one and done. And number four, the man goes out on mission to tell everyone about Jesus. This is supposed to be our lives. Following Mark 1, the first step towards discipleship is to recognize our need. To recognize our own leprosy. The stuff in our lives that is slowly eating away at us from the inside out and the outside in. Eating away at our hearts and our minds and our relationships. And that if we don't do something about it, we will die. Die from within as individuals. And then those around us who have been infected by us will die. Our community, our church will die. Furthermore, if we don't reach out for a Savior, we will die an eternal death, an unending death. The first step of discipleship is the recognition that there is a problem and the need for change. Now, this can be a challenge for some of us because some of us don't even see the problem out there or in here, let alone the need for me to change one iota from the person I am right now. So, let's look at some of the current challenges facing us as Catholic Christians today in the U.S. These are a bunch of stats I'm going to give you. And keep in mind that these stats, as bad as they sound, among our brothers and sisters on like the mainline Protestant churches, they're even worse. So it's not limited to Catholic Christians. When people leave the Catholic faith, four out of five of them are gone by the age of 23. Said another way, nearly 80% of Catholics will stop practicing their faith by the age of 23. Mass attendance by age group, by generation. 
Of those over 65, it's almost half that are still attending Mass. Of those between 41 and 64, it's 20%. Of those just out of college and into young adulthood, the so-called millennials, only 10% attend Mass. The millennial generation is the least religious generation within the entire history of the United States. Digging a little deeper, the average age a young person decides to leave the Catholic Church is around the age of 13. It just takes them moving out of the house and going off to college or to a job to complete what was already set in their heart. This leads to the youngest generation, what is being called Gen Z or iGen. Only 7% of them are attending Mass. These are children. And this is not on them. This is on us. This is on you. When young people are surveyed among the millennials about why they are leaving the church, 34% of them said that they stopped believing. Another 31% felt that they're not being fed spiritually. The majority were raised in households where the family was not living a life of discipleship. And we're going to learn about what that is over the next several weeks. But many of them were going to Mass with some regularity. Which tells us that what we've been operating under over the last four generations, while the entire world around us has changed, we have not changed within these walls and within our families. And that is this, that the Mass is all that we need. Now think of it this way. When we drop a pebble in the water, it makes a first splash, right? But we think, we suppose, we've been operating under this assumption that then that will create a ripple effect across the lives of our families, across the generations. But this is not magic. It is the epicenter of our faith. Receiving the Lord in the Eucharist cannot be replaced by anything. It is the most powerful encounter that we can have with Christ. But that's his work and our reception. Then we have to allow ourselves to do the work across our lives in every week of our lives, every day of our lives to get that ripple effect across our parish and across our families. Looking at the practice of the faith across the generations offers us a clue then to understanding the problems we face as Christians today. The movement away from the religious practice of our faith is a gradual one, a slow fade. It has taken place over the past four generations. We are practicing our faith less and less because we grew up in families that practiced their faith less than their parents, who grew up in families that practiced their faith less than their parents, and so on, from one generation to the next. Compound this washing out of the practice of the faith across the generations with a growing secularization of our culture where we put just about everything else before God 
and only leave a little, if anything, for God. And how many of us are practicing our family life that way? Furthermore, as we practice our faith less, we understand it less, too, and then therefore we're more prone to get it wrong and to be duped by the lie. And there are several. I'm just going to give a couple here. Thus the lie grows that all it takes to get into heaven is that I need to be a good person and I don't and I shouldn't do anything really bad. This lie is growing alongside another lie. All I need to do is believe in Jesus Christ, have feelings about him, pray to him every once in a while in order to get into heaven. Well, from the scriptures, we know that our good works cannot get us into heaven, and not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the heaven. That last one is the difference between those who proclaim themselves spiritual but not religious. The cumulative result of these problems is that the reason why so many children and adults are leaving the faith and then not coming back to the faith as adults are the same. There's nothing to come back to because there was not much being offered them while they were with us. That is, faith in Jesus Christ was not alive, vibrant, on fire, passionate, and at the center of their lives, within the families in which they grew up. And this is what is necessary in the world that we live in. We're playing by the old rules. By extension, get enough of these families together, what we call a parish, the same effect. Even as people attend Mass every week together. They're not living any different, one from the other. They're not inspiring each other. They're not showing one another the real beauty, truth, and good of what it looks like and feels like and lives like to be in a truly life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. The result? Not only decline in church attendance, but everything that comes with that. But people not coming back, not 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 only to church, but to a genuine living out of life, the life of a disciple. Because they never had this life in the first place. From this point, we see a decline in baptisms, first communions, Catholic schools, PSR, religious education programs, confirmation, a decline in weddings, and so on. Juxtapose this, and you see a rise in men and women departing marriages through divorce, an increase of departure from the priesthood and religious life, scandals in the family, and scandals in the church. One in seven churches across the nation have closed. And for the first time in our nation's history, there are more children being raised in one-parent homes, mostly by the mother and or grandparents, than there are in families where both families are still present as mother and father and husband and wife. For the first time in history. Bottom line, wash out the faith and the practice of the faith. The discipline of the faith. That's where we get the word religion. Water it down, dumb it down, take away its fire and leave it lukewarm, then replace it with other things, anything, even good things, even good activities, 
other than God as the first and the center, and you see the decline. At first, the gradual decline, then the ever-increasingly rapid decline in the family, in marriages, in the church, in vocations, in religious life. And ultimately, you see the fracturing of society itself. Even as you witness the rise then, correspondingly, an individual is experiencing selfishness, unhappiness, a sense of meaninglessness, fear, and depression. Why? Because you have removed the one that holds it all together, God. Or you have de-emphasized his presence and importance in your life. And to do so has a cascading effect across society. So what to do with all this? How to stop it? Is there a way to reverse it? Is there a way through this mess, both for ourselves, for those who are dearest to us, for our parish, for our school, for our diocese, for our nation? Yes. The answer is a resounding yes. There is a solution. There is an answer. There is a way, a tried and true way, an answer without fail, a guaranteed solution. And it begins with you. With you. With you who are watching on live stream right now. With you and Jesus. And it rolls from there into so many others' lives. But it begins with today's gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. It begins with four things. You recognizing your own need. Your leprosy. Your need for a savior. And asking for help. And asking for help every day. Even if you currently cannot see the problems in your own life and you think that your life is going pretty well, that's a pretty good indication that it's worse than you thought. And number two, then asking Jesus for healing. And again, not just once, a one and done, but multiple opportunities that he will offer you for healing. And then reintegrating into the community of believers for ongoing growth in the spiritual life. And then four, then going out on a lifelong mission to tell everyone about Jesus. In a nutshell, this is discipleship. This is missionary discipleship. This is what it means to become a disciple and become a disciple maker. This is what is at the heart of what our last six popes over the last 60 years have been calling the new evangelization, a movement of the Holy Spirit within our hearts and within the heart of the church and the heart of the family to help people get back to true, authentic discipleship. We see plenty of evidence that this is possible too. Some parishes are thriving, flourishing. We see a movement among young people who are intentionally choosing the ways of faith over their peers and the ways of our culture. I mean, right in our own diocese, we have Damascus Catholic Mission Campus. We're seeing young men fiercely stepping up in the wake of all this crap and saying, 
the Lord is calling me to make change in the church, change in families and marriages, and responding to the call to priesthood. And men and women who are bucking the system of living together in our society, which has an 80% chance of divorce before you ever enter into it, and are entering into healthy marriages. And an ever-increasing emphasis on discipleship. And we're seeing some folks catching fire in love for Jesus and his church and love for other people. Thanks be to the Holy Spirit who is inspiring so many laity and priests who in turn are stepping out of their comfort zone and out of that old mantra that this is the way we've always done it. This is the way I grew up. This is the way my parents grew up. And I am not going to change. They're kicking that to the curb to make their parishes grow from maintenance into mission and their families from maintenance barely hanging on to mission. Nationally, there are flagship parishes that are fully implementing a discipleship culture in their parishes. Churches like Father John Ricardo's parish, Our Lady of Good Counsel in Plymouth, Michigan. Father Michael White's parish, Church of the Nativity in Timonian, Maryland. Father James Mallon's parish, St. Benedict Parish in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, all of which I visited and have been learning from. And a growing number of other parishes like them coming back to life across our country in suburban areas, in rich areas, in poor areas, in rural areas, in urban areas. Traditional, contemporary, charismatic, it doesn't matter. Within all of our dioceses, we have now probably a handful of parishes that are glowing with a new fire and a love for the Lord. About a handful. And their parishioners are coming alive in this same fire. Bishop Brenham wants this for all of our parishes in the diocese, so much so that he is making this the centerpiece of his long-range strategic plan. Personally, anecdotally, for 12 years, I got to be a part of bringing the fire of discipleship to one parish, St. John Newman Parish in Sunbury. It was awesome to see so many young people come back to the practice of their faith. So many adults and, and, uh, and older adults completely adjust the way that they were living their Christian faith and the way they grew up in their families. Marriages being healed, families becoming whole, and individuals truly falling in love with Jesus and sharing him generously, fearlessly, with compassion and patience with other people. The parish quadrupled in size and intensity of faith. Now we're seeing our own parish that we love here at St. Francis de Sales come afire with more and more people who have decided to live a life of discipleship instead of just being pew-sitters all of their lives. Jesus did three years of ministry and prepared a group of men to continue his ministry in his absence. That's us. The entire ministry of Jesus can be summed up into two basic principles from the scriptures. Jesus gave the church a great command and a great commission. Let me make it closer to home. Jesus gave you a great command and he gave you a great mission. The great command, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And the great mission? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19. For each of us to be willing, let alone able, to respond to Jesus' greatest commandment to us, to love God with everything we are, and first, and greatest mission for us, to make disciples of other people, we have to at least try. Try. Try to recognize our need for God, our need for a Savior, and then ask Him to help us and allow Him to heal us in the multiple areas of our lives that need healing. Then grow in faith together and then be sent out into the lives of so many others around us who have forgotten their need for a Savior because they think the world is supplying everything they need. This way of discipleship will be what we will explore during the season of Lent. If you're willing to explore this with me, it has the potential of not only transforming your Christian faith and life and making both so much more fulfilling, but giving you what you need to be a missionary disciple who God sends into the lives of so many of the people who are nearest and dearest to you to help them recognize their need for God too and start them back on a road that will lead them into becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And on this last point, you know, during this COVID, there is a silver lining here for us at this parish, and that is that we put in these cameras, we do this live stream, and then right after this mass, the mass is recorded, and it goes on our YouTube channel. How about this for each of you today? Just to do a little proof that you're willing to become a missionary disciple, that you're willing to try. How about this suggestion? Go home and get that link. You get it, for instance, in Flock Notes. Everybody who's on our live stream channel, you know it because you're on the link right now. And send that recording to people who are not here with you now. Sons and daughters, grandchildren, classmates, teammates, in your public schools and your Catholic schools. Parents that have their kids in your same schools and they're not here with you. Co-workers, neighbors, people who are hurting and don't know how to address the hurt. Send that to them. But that's the helping of others. The next six weeks is about how God can change us.